0: To another week of Redbeard Radio. I am Alana Dickman. I am a partner at Redbeard Ventures and your co-host. And we have Drew Austin, the founding partner of Redbeard Ventures, and your other co-host for today. This week, we're gonna have the founder and CEO of Caro, David Perry, who sold his last company for $380 million in cash and is now build- building building Caro, which is a B2B SaaS company that enables any e-commerce company to sell products from the world's best brands without spending capital up front making inventory commitments or handling fulfillment. So Caro is already working with over 20K top brands and companies in the commerce space. So basically you could think about it as you have a bike store, you wanna sell helmets, you could go through their catalog at the helmets, the customer buys the helmets from your website, it gets shipped directly from the helmet um, merger and then it will go ahead and ship it out. So it's the new form of dropshipping and really excited to have him on today. But before we dive into it, Redbeard Radio is sponsored by Alto. Their self-directed IRA platform lets you invest in a range of alternative assets across private equity, venture capital, real assets like farmland and fine wine, cryptocurrency, private startup angel deals and more. Their APIs support hassle-free investments through industry-leading integrated partners and their integration of Coinbase offers hundreds of cryptocurrencies. Alto also has their new platform, Alto Marketplace, which offers accredited investors access to exclusive leading funds typically reserved for institutional investors and the ultra wealthy. Explore your options with Alto and investment interests you. So you can visit their website at Altoira.com forward slash marketplace to learn more. And last week we also did a video with the founder of Alto. So if you're interested in just learning more about what they're building and what they have going on, feel free to watch it. But guys, as always, before we dive in, please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, comment, ask any questions. We're here for you guys just to really talk about our views, our investment thesis, and talk to some founders I think are really excited and building today. All right. I feel like I always have to breathe after that long intro, but Drew, I'm excited to talk today. Um, I appreciate you jumping on. I know you're in New York right now in a hotel room, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, excited for this conversation.
1: Not fully equipped with the mic and my normal setup, so bear with me, everybody. But yeah, I try to take, I try to make sure. I say when it comes to creating content and podcasts and things of that nature, consistency is king. So you know, wherever I am, I try to do the best I can to make sure that we can carve out time to do our podcast and and do our show and create some content and. You know, this week is, is a really interesting conversation because, you know, this is a, you know, I think it starts as like a pretty broad topic, which the way I think about it is um, kind of like innovation and, oper- and and some of the advancements that are happening across e-commerce, um, which I think is a really fascinating discussion. And, and there's a, there's just so much happening and it touches on so many different types of technologies um, and different types of like technology, like what we would call different verticals that people would might invest in. So yeah, I was, I'm just excited to kind of dig in. Um, obviously, I'm I'm very excited to learn more about Caro, but uh, let's just get, let's, let's talk a little bit about like what's happening in the e-commerce space to begin with.
0: Okay. So before we talk about what's happening right now today, I wanted to start the question where if you're shopping in 10 years from now, what do you think the experience will be versus what it's like currently? And then let's talk about some of the technologies that are making that happen.
1: I guess there's a couple things. So, I mean, there's two different ways to think about it. One is if I'm, if I'm shopping in a physical retail store, I think that holding inventory will probably be uh, a thing of the past, if, if you will. I think you'd probably just be walking, when you walk into a store, your mobile phone will connect um, probably the minute you walk into the store. It'll know that you're there. It'll present um, only the things in the store that are available. Um, In your size and styles that you like based on your preferences. You'll that's the only things you'll see Um, And everything will be able to be tried on Digitally um, and augmented so you can kind of see what it would look like just by looking at mirrors and screens Etc and see what these pieces of clothing look like and there will be examples for you to touch and feel But you won't be able to really walk out of the store with it. You just be able to like Look at it, you know, Tap a, t- double tap your phone or whatever we're wearing, mobile device, uh, glasses, whatever that might be, and ultimately uh, purchase the item. And in probably same day, you'll have that shipped from some logistics hub around the world and you'll be able to get it that same day. So like... I think, from a physical store perspective, I think it's going to come down to personalization. I think it's going to come down to new augmented experiences. I think it's going to be very like boutique um, shopping experiences that are that um, that don't hold a ton of inventory, but are much more digital in nature and, and focus on the shipping experience, logistics. Meaning, logistics has to become that much that much more, um, and it obviously. Logistics has become a massive part of e-commerce, but I think it'll continue to evolve and expand. And then on the digital side, uh, you know, it, the reality is it's going to come down. I think AI is going to be a material shift over the next few years. In ten years from now, I'm not even thinking that far away. Um, you know, I think AR and VR will play a major role in shopping. Like I think you'll be able to walk through almost the exact same retail experience that you'd have in a physical store. Um, I think it'll be replicated in a virtual reality environment or an AR environment where you'd basically be doing the exact same experience um you know without necessarily touching the materials but who knows i mean even with 3d printing could you you know walk into a virtual experience and immediately 3d print a small piece of material of the texture that you're looking at at that given moment so you could touch and feel the t-shirt that you're looking at from just touching the 3d printed material and then to say hey i like the i like the look i like how it looks on me i like how it feels and then make a purchase I mean, think of emerge, for example, like emerge. How emerge is bringing touch to virtual environments could emerge help you understand the difference between a certain type of fabric. Um, that's emerge is one of our portfolio companies that uses sound waves to introduce touch in augmented and virtual environments. Um, but you know, so I, I think that there is going to be a ton of personalization. I think it's going to be. Um, I, I think it's going to be based on preferences and sizes and and styles and pricing, etc. Um, and, uh, and then I think that, so that's like the, 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 purchasing side. And then I think the logistics side is also really fascinating. I think blockchain can play a major role in logistics mm-hmm. from being, you know, from just kind of understanding where things have gone, where were they produced, where were goods produced? Um, what's the, you know, kind of what was the supply chain that impacted your, your piece of material or good that you're receiving, um, and making sure that's call, all kind of verifiable audited, making sure these are legitimate pieces from the brand stand on the blockchain to know that, hey, this is not a knockoff. This is actually from, um, you know, Gucci or Louis Vuitton or whatever else. Like, I think that any item that you purchase, if you're getting a Nike sneaker, you're going to want to know that there was a there's a a blockchain certificate of authenticity with that collectible or that piece of good um, that purchase so that you know that you're getting an authentic piece. So, um, yeah, a lot of, I think there's a lot of really interesting things that are going to come.
0: I feel like my mind was racing as you were talking. I'm like, wait, I have so much ad, And then you go to the next one and I'm like, wait, I have so much out of that. But I think like trying on clothes will be a thing of the past. Like first off, it's so much effort, so much work, like Right now, I've already seen some startups that online will take what you look like, use AI to take a shirt and show you what you look like with the clothes. And that's only going to get better. So it could show you, oh, hey, based on your size, your features, you'd actually be a medium and here's what you look like. So I could see the mirror where you go and you're like, oh, I want to see these clothes. Maybe do you have a pair of pants that would match and you could see it in the mirror. And then I agree. Then you press a button being like purchase. There won't be these people standing in the store that's just like walking around and you're shopping but i think it's all going to be this experience through technology and i think one really big thing that i've used a lot personally is how amazon has that feature to actually show what like furniture would look like in your room so you could be like oh i want this chair what would it look like and you could kind of go around and see what it would look like see how it would fit and like it's good it's only going to get better you still sometimes have to purchase it and i just think being able to use all these technologies to make your shopping experience just more efficient i mean we're seeing subscription happen a lot more like razors for example something that could easily go to cvs i just do a subscription like every month or two send me some razors send me cotton pads send me toilet paper it's like stupid things that i just think like going to the store will be just so limited because already, I mean, Instacart went public this year. Like, that's something that's making your grocery store shopping uh, easier. Like, what else is going to take? Where our generation's going to be lazy but also more efficient and have more time? And I think every single technology we're seeing right now is really helping do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if you think about it, like, I'm, I'm just trying to think through some of the other kind of advancements to make that world a possibility. Like, if you like. If you think about again transportation and logistics, if, if everything's about ordering online and not necessarily going and picking something up, you know things like drones could play a major role in personalized delivery and being able to advance that experience, while, as well as autonomous vehicles. So, like if you're not using, for like if you're not like I have a Tesla in my opinion, in five to 10 years from now, my Tesla should be earning, making money instead of sitting at the train station right now for the last two days. Like I have it, you know, I'm in the city. I left it at the train station. There is zero reason why it should be sitting there. It should be doing pickups and deliveries for items of things that you guys order. And I should be able to earn off that. And then that's where IOT and payments come into place. Like, you know, one of our, one of our investments minima that does machine to machine payments. Like if my, if a car is going and Making a drop off and a pickup, or going to a supply chain logistics store, I could see that these are the areas where blockchain and IoT and machine to machine payments could come into place to be able to, um, you know, kind of advance and, and, and keep track of the uh, the different types of items that are going from place to place. So, I think that's definitely. Um, I think that the advan- like those kind of like point of sale advancements and logistics advancements, can really make the vision that you're that you're talking about a reality. Um, What do you think about social commerce? Like, what do you think about, like, how do you think social plays a role in commerce?
0: I mean, I think right now you go on Instagram, like you see all these influencers, you see TikTok shopping is one of the biggest things where you're seeing what all these influencers are doing and you're buying it. And I think it's just going to be kind of like... I don't think I'm going to shop, but I'm going to see what people are wearing. And I'm going to easily maybe ask AI, where did they buy this? Because right now, if they don't tag it, there's no easy way to find it. I just think so much of us just buy what everybody else buys. And then I think it's going to be kind of AI telling us based on what we're wearing or based on what our friends are wearing that we've liked and we've commented, being able to combine that all to really give us like the most personalized shopping experiences. You
1: know, it it, would even be pretty interesting. You could kind of think about it as such like, say you're looking at a piece of clothing and whether it's like let's say you're wearing you know ar glasses and you're at a store and you look at a piece of clothing and immediately when you see the piece of clothing it tells you like what other influencers celebrities have purchased that item like Mm -hmm. to give that social that social kind of like that social validation that this is like a piece that's popular or not etc or you know there so there's a there's definitely a lot on like image recognition and things of that nature that i think will come into play um you know i also think that like again so like you know in terms of social commerce i think video is good i think like like you said with tiktok but like just like kind of taking the q the um the qvc model like i've always thought that the qvc model on television you're
0: aging um, yourself drew
1: yeah well I, I think that that model coming to digital and coming to mobile um you know we're already seeing it with like a the platform i think it's called whatnot so like for sports cards like people are real time 24 7 just basically like doing live breaks and live shows and in the, while they're in the show, people can be transacting. And I think like, you know, a lot of, a lot of commerce, um, I think, comes down to storytelling. So I think the better you are as a brand at storytelling, I think, in, in, in a digital world, um, I think you'll have an advantage as a, a, in the, the commerce space.
0: But something interesting too, if you think about Alex Earl, who started doing her makeup, she never would sell you the makeup. She would just use the makeup. And then everybody's like, oh, I wanna buy that. Like, what eyeliner is that? What foundation is that? And so it was this different type of selling that didn't sell you. And so I think that goes hand in hand with like being able to watch these videos and being like, oh, what is that? And it's like easily being able to use AI to figure out what type of clothes they're wearing what type of makeup they're using so i think like from um influencers to consumer it's a little bit different selling where they're not storytelling you just want to follow people who you think are cool and fashionable whatever the case may be so it's a little bit different especially from consumers
1: yeah. And one last thing I'll bring up because I think it's just another one that's like super fascinating. But like, you know, in, about a decade ago, there was a lot of momentum in the 3D printing area. Um, you know, there was a lot of innovation happening and there was a lot of like early startups getting funding. And I, I remember because I was in the wearable space at the time. So that was kind of like tangential. There was like hardware and and 3D printing. And so I, I saw that pretty closely. Um, I think there's going to be a major um, 3D printing boom um, in the near future. Um, So in in that five to 10 year run, not in the next five years, but the five to 10 year run, the ability to look at something and then have it printed. That's a game changer. Like imagine you, you want to buy something that you see in a store, you're online, you press purchase and all of a sudden your printer starts printing. Like I feel like
0: I just can't even imagine that like exactly. as much as I want to I'm like how
1: they're already there are that's already happening like they're sending up a massive 3d printer uh, into space so that they can actually start developing on planets like that's an that's like you know these types of oper- like you know there's already 3d printers that are kind of existing in, in in introducing them into home building experiences and there's 3d printers happening across the board in manufacturing so this is not like a, a such a foreign concept I think when 3d printing came out It was almost like this, like it it took the Google Glass route, like this silly do-it-yourself like consumer product that really wasn't ready for consumer. And then when they realized was, um, you know, it it had much more opportunity in the industrial and manufacturing and all of that. And that's where it's 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 kind of evolved and developed. And that's what's needed before it makes real mainstream consumer adoption. But when it does make mainstream consumer adoption, and you think about between 3D printing, drone delivery, autonomous vehicles, it's going to reduce a lot of the logistics and overhead costs in the supply chain, which should make goods far cheaper for us and far more accessible for us. So that, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of goes hand in hand, you know, with this whole, like when you think about innovation, hopefully, ideally, that's also innovation that's going to reduce the cost of goods for people so that we can, you know, you know, purchase and and have more purchasing power as as we uh, kind of evolve.
0: Awesome. Well, I know we can keep talking about this, but let's bring up David to talk about what they're building. And I'd also like to hear his views about kind of the future innovation of e-commerce. So, David, welcome to Redbeard Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I'm so jealous of what you guys do um, (laughs) because you get to to have these thoughts, right? You get to uh, talk to CEOs of companies hear all this secret stuff they're, they're working on and then you get to process it all and, and, and sort of start to have your own view of the future. I think it's such a cool thing to be able to
1: do it's my favorite job i've ever had i gotta tell you just the ability and like with us specifically like at frontier we're kind of in the frontier tech investing space you know i've been you know my whole career has been spent on frontier technology so the uh the ability for people to really think through some of the new, the new the the direction we're headed and then start investing in companies that are helping us push in that direction is really exciting but so yeah let's let's first learn a little bit about your story your background and hear your trajectory (sighs)
2: Well, actually, before we do that, yeah. um, I, uh, Drew, I, I'm gonna. I just want to say, listening to you talking, you inspired me for a new company idea just <laughs> there in that conversation. Really? Um, so I, I want to pitch you a new company idea share it, share it. off off what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, the the company's called Buy Signal, and what it is is when you're standing in a store and you've done your experiential shopping meaning you've touched the cloth you like the thing Mm -hmm. then then you're a buy signal i think companies would fight like crazy to be the one that that, that does the same day delivery of of your buy signal um they would they would fight over it uh, because effectively the hard part's done the decisions made do you really care which entity like which of 100 different companies that could ship that to you. Do you care who it is? Not really, I just want it tomorrow, right? And so you could easily have an algorithm at BuySignal that says, what's the fastest way to get it to you at the best possible price? Yep. um yeah and, and you're uh, talking so that, to yeah. a
0: serial entrepreneur right now everybody listening but <laughs> <laughs> no, that,
1: that, yeah that makes I mean that makes a ton of sense I mean even think about from the you know like you can even have a bidding component so companies could bid to take that business and win that business yes, or definitely. you can have brands even potentially throw their hat in the ring and say hey you like this product but you can also have this brand give it to you at a different price different whatever you know different opportunity do you want to have it at this the, this brand speci- are you brand focused or just product focused so it opens up a lot of doors the buy signal I, 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 like it. I like it yeah
2: yeah you see that's it's interesting
0: so, right <laughs> it's so true though like if i find a coffee maker and i already know the brand that i want so many other stores sell the brand maybe one's on sale and they could just all be like yeah i'll sell it to you actually for even cheaper than the other one that's yeah exactly i would do it
2: yeah and so i think the future of malls is exactly what you were saying it's experiential shopping which it, the, the days in the old days malls would actually be mini warehouses i i i i shopped for my last time i will never do it again my daughter wanted to hit some golf balls with me I'm at a driving range i'm like let's go get you some golf shoes and we went into a golf store and i and i was like wow we're in a we're in a, a like a mall but there's so much of this space is is like this this mini warehouse of shoes and and golf clubs and everything else so they're trying to be a warehouse in a mall. And then of course, everything we asked for, they didn't have in the right size or color It's because it's, it's a terrible inventory because they don't have the space. And so the, the overall experience is just terrible. And, uh, and so I'm like, we'll never do this again. Cause exactly as you say, well, I want this color, I want this size, um, and I want it right away. And I would have had it, um, um, same day shipped. So I think that's, I'm just, done with it. And so what that does is that means that if if stores become experiential, then ultimately, they become much smaller, which means malls become more interesting. So now you've got, you know, 20 times the amount of, uh, of, of little, little places you can walk into try and try stuff. Shopify is already getting ready for this, because they have their point of sale, um, you know, Shopify point of sale terminals, and you can actually today write code that appears in their terminals. So you know, you could write your own app. It, you know, but, uh, it
1: wouldn't surprise me to even see a Shopify mall of the
2: future. Yeah, so so I could see a buy signal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little press press the button, right, and <laughs> and, and, uh, and you just done. So anyway, um, uh, to and and one other thing, I'll just throw it out there because you talked about it was social commerce. Um, I'm uh, we're actually working on this, so uh, I, I thought I'd just say something about it. But social commerce. Um, follows the rule of fish where the fish are. So the idea of moving people around on the internet is very hard. And it's actually, I would argue, getting harder and more expensive as time goes on. So you can live or die by your ability to move people on the internet. I'll give you an example is, um, uh, if you look at all of the e-commerce platforms today, Shopify, Commerce, Big BigCommerce, Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, Adobe Commerce, anyone you wanna name, they're all the same in, in the form of building, give, they give you a kit to build a really cool store and run all and handle fraud and all the stuff. But what they don't do is help you get the internet to come visit um, that, and, and Amazon will do that for you. Amazon will get the internet to come and visit, but they'll keep all the customers. So now you have no customers, um, which isn't great. And, and ultimately Amazon ends up competing with a lot of the, the, the brands that are in, the, in their store so it's a complicated this is a complicated world so what do you do if you look at retail well retail works differently because if i make a protein bar my job is to get it into as many retail stores as i possibly can um the the more the better if i can get into whole foods and walmart and target and costco our whole team would be hugging each other right because now we've got this protein bar everywhere why that matters is because you're not paying for the food traffic that goes into those stores, but when you build your own little store online, you are paying for all that traffic. You have to convince the internet not only to visit, but somehow get them to come back, and uh, and that's that's actually life or death um, for a lot of brands online. So social commerce is interesting because that the saying "fish where the fish are." That's where the fish are. They're there right now, consuming content, um, and and so there's a bit of a breakthrough that's happened that isn't obvious, but what tiktok shop really is is tiktok shop is really trying to stock every product in the world um that's the that's the long-term vision stock it to to no to to have it available for sale not not to have a warehouse with it um collaborative um collaborative commerce i think is the future and collaborative commerce is collaborative drop, drop shipping which means you don't it can be distributed across warehouses across the country. They can use AI even to determine what's the best way to ship it. But but the the concept is really solid, which is if you stock everything, and imagine this is your vision, you're the CEO of, of TikTok. If you stock everything, um, then an influencer um, or someone with any kind of followers doesn't need to now have a brand deal anymore. They don't need to wait and, make, you know, if I want to sell this, thing i've got to go and somehow get this brand to send it to oh, me totally. that's the, I, the, you could get up in the morning and go i really like that dog bowl because it keeps the water cool i'm going to get down on the floor and start selling that dog bowl and it's already in tiktok shop so you can just make money from it that,
1: i mean so, the same yeah that's such an obvious like point of friction like you hear yes. these influencers having to go out and do their own deals with partners, and that's such a that's such an arduous process. when, when the reality is, they have the audience. Like they should be able to sell whatever they want.
2: Exactly. So,
1: well, so that's, that's also what we're...
0: Flip, though, which is super exciting, where this came out of nowhere, this company, everybody was getting crazy money between like $60 to $110 to like refer your friends to come on. And then you get these products, and you, you, if you want to be an influencer, you can make a video about using the products, and then you get money back to use on Flip to buy all the other products that they have on their website. And they mm-hmm. were doing this exact example of creating this social awareness of these products and making everybody because these influencers and they were really drop shipping products and like every product on their application that came out of nowhere so that was super exciting to see too.
2: Yes, so so Flip and TikTok are both part of our network. I just how if would, anybody wants to be yeah. on TikTok or anyone wants to be on Flip they should just install caro into their Shopify store and we will put we can help you right away um, with yeah, that. Yeah, so let's,
1: let's first talk about what, so let's explain what Cairo is so that you can, you can give everyone an understanding and then I would love to see how it all connects.
2: Yeah, so, well, I mean, I'll, I'll quickly now go back in time. My my um, my career has been in the video game business. I grew up in Northern Ireland. There was no video game industry there. Um, I, I was It was kind of funny being in school, people, I was getting interviewed and stuff because it was so unusual um, to be in the games industry. But I got a job offer to move to England, so I went to England, and um, and I had a huge breakthrough. And the breakthrough was that I discovered that branding really matters in the game industry. Mm-hmm. So I got the rights to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and my game went straight to number one. And and, and I was kind of like, that was really easy. Let's let's do this again. <laughs> like, what other what other properties are there? Um, I ended up getting the rights to the Terminator. You know, when James Cameron was doing that, and I got an offer then to move to the U.S. To, uh, to continue and finish that, that game off. And that, that was California. So you can imagine you're living in England. Someone says, it was actually Richard Branson's company, Virgin. Would you, would you like to come to California? And so I jumped on a plane and I never, you know, obviously never went back. I, I loved it here. So, um, but then the, uh, the properties just kept coming. So I did um, Disney's Aladdin. And the last one was The Matrix um, with the, the Wachowskis and Warner Brothers. Um, which was probably the hottest property in the entire video game industry. I think um, like the Matrix was just the perfect DNA thing for a video game um, player. They loved it. So um, but the Matrix anyway was was huge. Atari ended up buying the company so that they could publish the game, um, which gave me a, a nice exit there. Um, that was around 50 million for, for just, just because they wanted to get control of that one brand. So there's a, there's a point does branding matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) your company, you can get your company bought for one brand that you associate with. Um, think about that. So, um, then I, I got interested in the future of the game industry. Um, I was very interested in how the, uh, someday I don't think that games will be um you, you know we'll be buying consoles because consoles limit your experience you yeah. have to buy you have to make a console at a price that everybody can afford or at least not everybody but people can afford um which is why it sits around 400 dollars, which is honestly quite expensive they wish they could do it even cheaper yeah. the problem is that then you're getting a 400 experience um i want a ten thousand dollar experience and to do that that would be playstation like eight or nine or ten um so can we uh can we just do it in the cloud and, and stream the experience? And so we, we um, of course, everyone said that's impossible, but there's when, with, when you get good engineers in a room, things start becoming possible that seemed totally. impossible. Just ask OpenAI about that, right? right? There's a way, it sounds impossible, but there's a way, and we actually managed to get game streaming working so that um, there's no latency. We actually demonstrated zero latency. To this day, no one's actually delivered publicly zero latency, but it's coming. Um, and and zero latency means that it's the same as having the console in the room. So anyway, I filed about forty patents on this. Um, we built the company. Um, it uh, it ended up getting bought by Sony PlayStation for for nearly four hundred million, and that technology is now built into the PlayStation. So um, I got to work there for five years, which was pretty damn cool during my earnout. That was that was fun. Atari was the coolest business card I've ever had, but Sony was was an incredibly fun place to, 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 uh, to work. Um, but then, um, then I, for some crazy reason, got interested in e-commerce. Um, why? Well, e-commerce is, um, like video games are hundreds of billions of dollars. E-commerce is trillions of dollars. And this whole influencer thing was kind of fascinating to me. I, I do photography as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And I would be taking no one cares about my pictures. But if I if I take a picture of an influencer, suddenly you get all this. Oh, my God, I love this person. I want to marry them. Yeah, can you can you introduce me? <laughs> and and uh, and I, I sort of looked around my studio one day and I had uh, some of my daughter's friends who were influencers were there and, and between them, they had 15 million followers Wow! and they're just teenagers. And I was like, wait. They got 15 million followers. How many people is that? I just seen Ed Sheeran in concert at the Rose Bowl. That was 60,000 yep. people. People look like ants. They're yep. tiny, little, tiny little people yep. um, at 60,000. And I'm like, these, these teenagers have 15 million every day. Unbelievable. This is crazy. So I started to talk to them about, you know, what's it like being an influencer? Oh, it's, it's cool, but we always have to work with brands that we don't like. Um, well, why is that? Because we don't have access to the right brands. Um, and so you could imagine I've started, I, I couldn't help. It's just like, you know, the conversation earlier, you used to start coming up with 10 different company ideas. Um, so um, I found myself getting sucked into the, the the e-commerce space. We we actually did some work on the influencer side, um, which uh, there's a book on, on building marketplaces, which talks about um, how it's called the cold start problem. And it's the idea that when you're building a marketplace, it's kind of hard to get it going just to get enough people in to get the thing started. So we actually used influencer tech to get our party started. We got about 7,000 brands installed really quickly. Um, little business trick there is, um, if you ever wanna kickstart a business, ask a question where the answer is yes. That's, that's if I would say that to any of your portfolio companies you're talking to, just ask a question that the answer is yes. And if, and if the answer is not yes, find another question. Huh. Um, so, If I ask you, would you like to know which influencers have bought your products? Um, like which actually, which influencers are buying your products, have been buying your products. Um, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's actually yes. 100% of the time. Yeah. So, so that's why just even offering that initially our, our network grew immediately. But the problem was, as you know, if you really want to build a valuable company, a very valuable company that goes public, um, you need to be in the commerce flow um and that's where we really needed to 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 think about so this idea of um you know you make your protein bar you get into as many places as possible we said to ourselves who does that for you online who takes your product and gets it into as many online stores as possible and then and then we couldn't find that we were like well nobody really nobody's really taking my product and trying to help me get as much sales as possible but uh, who doesn't want that who doesn't want more distribution for their products. Would you say um, would
1: you say Amazon does that, or am I thinking about it incorrectly?
2: No, no. What I mean is actually pushing it into lots of other people's traffic. So, so if if I make a a, a blender, so we have a company called Blendjet in our network. They make a portable blender, um, and over there, there's a store that's selling protein powders. Would they like to add my blender into their store and and make and make a and keep you know thirty percent of that sale? Of course. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Why don't we work together? In fact, why aren't I selling protein powders with my blenders? Because all my every single thing I do on social media is putting stuff in the blender, but I don't sell anything in the blender. So let's add stuff. Okay, okay, you sell my blender. I sell your protein powders, and uh, and we'll promote together with influencers on social media. Let's do that. And and how do we do that? Well. In the old days you would start opening up spreadsheets and trying to track each other's inventory levels and all that caro does all of this so that the concept was could we build technology to allow people to literally connect and share inventory so the entire inventory of the protein powder company becomes the inventory of the blender company um, and that and then the blender company all the all the colors all the skews everything Becomes available to the protein powder company. It's a bit like dating. It's double opt in. Both sides say yes. It doesn't have to go both ways. So it could be just protein powders going okay. to the to the blender company. Whatever works. Yes. Um, they work out the splits. So you know they can they can do anything they want together. They're they're now partners. But the, the question is, is how, how? It will just explain what happens then when when the blender company sells the protein powder. The order actually drops into. The order queue over at the or at the the protein powder company. Right. So they they wake up in the morning. There's a bunch of orders in their order queue, but they didn't have anything to do with it. It was it, it happened on someone else's site, someone exactly. else's traffic. So why this is interesting is it changes your perspective on on what you are as a business online. There's a lot of people get up in the morning and they just stare at their their online store and they think that that's who they are. This store is, is is our entity. I have to worry about it, I have to stress about it because there's a certain amount of, as you're moving traffic into it, there's a certain um, average revenue per visitor that you can calculate. Mm-hmm. And so every single person that comes into your store matters and you become obsessed by that. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there's also visitors in all these other stores that you're not paying for mm-hmm. and you get an average revenue per visitor. And so you might say to yourself, yeah, but their traffic's going to be terrible. My traffic is going to be great. Well, actually, no, if, they've got, if they're selling protein powders, that's pretty great traffic. If a credit card is out, someone's buying protein powders, you're, when you actually look at the math, the average revenue per visitor is, is pretty similar to what you get on your store. Yep. So you should really be getting as many stores as you possibly can. This is a new thought for most people.
0: David, when we first talked, I was super interested in this because I did like the old school solution to dropshipping back in the day where I was mm-hmm. taking stuff from AliExpress, putting it on my website and getting a huge margin. But I was working with China and nothing was getting shipped and COVID was hitting. So I was getting all these people and all these people were buying, but it wasn't trustworthy manufacturers and suppliers that were actually shipping the product. And you're working with like real brands real companies that are getting these products already having the traffic on their website and being able to actually sell the products which is huge and i feel like just a huge market in general because you even showed us one that was like a pickleball website and they're selling some of the like biggest pickleball merchandise and it's from trusted and some of the top pickleball manufacturers and suppliers around so
2: yeah that's i I love that in a business when you have the x factor which is is you get a, a clear example like that. So the largest pickleball community in the US is called The Kitchen, it's 350,000 members. Imagine you run that um, and you say to yourself, I'd like to have my own store or my own marketplace. Um, well, you got a problem, are you gonna go get a warehouse and start filling it with $2,000 nets and and paddles that are probably aging like every single day, they age so fast because the next paddle's coming. Um, so, it would be a it would be a pretty horrible business to try to actually run in real time um so with but they have this community and they want to be able to sell to the community so they just built the whole thing on caro which allows them to add any products they want and every new product that comes out at zero risk and and the products then ship from the actual manufacturers um so the, this is actually a little more important than it sounds so drop shipping um compared to wholesale um, is 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 very different because can you, can you wholesale find drop shipping for anyone who's not familiar with the term. Yeah. So the, the way things used to work is if I um, if I was going to sell, let's say I was going to sell bicycle helmets, I'm actually going to try to guess what sizes and colors I need. And I'm going to contact a helmet company and say, can you send me, you know, a pallet of helmets? And, and these are the colors and sizes that I want. They're going to immediately say, oh, well, there's, there's restrictions. You have to order six of each of those. Cause that's how many are in a box and you're like, Ugh, okay. And then you're, you're, you're buying all of this stuff. Pallets are then getting freighted to your warehouse, which costs money. You're insuring it, people are touching it. You have to unpack it and put it on your, on your shelves. And then you try to sell it and. There's no chance you pick the right colors and sizes, so you're guaranteed to be sending some of it back to the uh, supplier at some point, point. Um, and uh, there's restocking fees and things, you know, freight costs. Or you say we're just going to clear it out, in which case you have clearance sales, and 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 all that uh, margin is wiped out. So the point is that margin gets really hammered in that old system. In this system, when you sell the helmet, you're selling, um, you're selling. The helmet on your site, but you don't actually have a single helmet in your in your warehouse. Um, you don't even have a warehouse if you're this pickleball company. What happens is the product we we drop the order into the order queue of the company who actually makes the product. So it could be the bike helmet or it could be the the pickleball net, and that just gets shipped directly to the customer. And that and it goes, so it goes through uh, the other underco- the existing cut co- the existing company's logistics process, whatever process they have in place. Exactly, but. All of that margin that was normally wasted is now shared between the, the seller and the, uh, the the supplier. So it's a two-sided network. You have the retailer and you have the supplier. The split is on across all product categories is around 33%. Um, that's, that's generally going to get you um, a lot of business. If, if it's a different business of different margins, of course, like protein powder versus an e-bike are very different Mm -hmm. um but but that the the network allows um for those different margins and then if somebody wants to return the product when when you contact the person who sold it to you and said i'd like to send it back the label that you get goes back to the the warehouse that it came from and then our software will will unwind everything correctly um, for for the entities really solving a very clear pain point
1: so the business model for you guys is—is it—is it—is it a recurring fee to use the software plus transaction? Is it—is there just—is it just transaction or just recurring? How does that—how does that work?
2: Well, we tried to make this. Um, I got—I'm trying to get as close to yes as I can. So um, I'll pitch you. You make a product, um, keep doing everything you're doing today. Don't stop. Like sell as much as you possibly can. This is a whole new revenue stream for you. So you're effectively taking your products. Placing them into our network, there is no fees at all for doing that. If I if I can get someone to sell your product under your approval, so you approve them, if they if, if we put that order in your order queue, it's going to cost you five percent. Um, would you like to do that? Yeah, that's a great that's a great that, sell. That's the pitch. That's the pitch. Um, so that's getting us a lot of products. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um,
0: I could imagine. And
2: then <laughs> this the, the second part is. Um if you're a retailer and now you're looking for products, so like a good example is when you're saying you're building your own business with uh with Alibaba, um, mm-hmm. in this situation you can work with you know great companies, uh, but you can say uh we, we do need to charge you something for this because there is actually, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. significant, uh, uh, server costs and everything else. Cause mm-hmm. we have AI running, et cetera. Our, but, I'm, um, let's ask that actually
1: about the AI, yeah. is, are you doing it, some kind of matching or suggestions on where your product could be going, et cetera?
2: Yeah. Um, yes, we should definitely get into AI, AI, AI is a whole thing. Um, yeah. but, um, anyway, the, the, the idea is and the, the pitch for a retailer is we have, um, billions of dollars worth of inventory available to you right now. And that inventory will cost you $35 a month. Um, and so for $35 a month, that's your cost to get started. We didn't want to put it at zero because you get very fickle people coming in there. Yep. 35 mm-hmm. is about as low as we're willing to go. Yeah, that will get you started. Film,
0: nothing compared to like when I was doing yeah. it, I would go on the website, use Shopify's API's and even to get from AliExpress and use the API's, it was probably 20 or $30 just to like grab the shitty. I don't know if I could say that on the podcast, like shitty products and put them on my website. So it's like, yeah, by paying 35 to get real products that people actually want to buy, it's such a different market and it's a different type of business too. I'll
2: give you a little secret and let's talk about the AI thing. Imagine you own, and this is the most shocking thing. I, I, there's a, uh, there's a bike store that I bought my wife, um, an e-bike and they had, um, you can imagine they, they have, uh helmets on the wall do you have this in black no um because they they bought pallets of helmets um you see this this the, they have this perfect bag that fits absolutely perfectly on their bikes and i go can i get one of those and they go well we don't even sell those we buy them from amazon um, so you know take a picture of it and go buy it on amazon and I'm, I'm standing in someone's retail store hearing this this is you can imagine this makes me shudder right Like what you should say is I don't have this available, but we do have it on our website. Go to, in fact, here's a code, use our website, you'll get 10% off and uh, you'll have it right away. That's the correct answer. The wrong answer is go to Amazon and buy it because we don't even sell it, even though we're promoting it here in our store. That's the wrong answer because they make nothing. Um, So um, uh, you can imagine that that's just kind of frustrating. So if you go to chat GPT and you type in, I own an online bike store, what are all the things I should sell to make the maximum possible revenue? ChatGPT will give you an excellent answer to that question. (laughs) It gives you literally a shopping list and we have all those products in our network. So you can literally, you can destroy your competitors because they don't think about most of this stuff. The reason they don't sell helmets on bike stores is because they don't make helmets. If you ask the CEO, why don't you sell helmets? The answer will be, we don't make helmets. Yep. And, and, and that's not a good reason. Cause then they're going to go to Amazon. Yep. So life and death in e-commerce is, is your average order value. When people visit, how much did it cost to get them to visit? And how much did I make when they arrived? Right. And if those two things don't work out, it's game over. So, so, can,
1: the, so someone can come in j- basically and start an entire business or a store mm-hmm. just based on their own personal brand with zero connection to any with zero Relationship really to in any inventory just by picking and choosing what's available in your network.
2: Yeah, and and usually there's a desire not to touch the product. So we power Paris hilton store. We we power, power Ellen DeGeneres's marketplace. Um, th- th- these are people who can curate and but they don't necessarily need to touch the product. Um, and so um, you know, Univision's website. Uh, we we power uh, Netflix's website. All kinds of different entities. Um, they all have commerce needs, and we're more than happy to help. Um, um, you know, make all of those connections for them. You were talking um, earlier about live selling um, with Whatnot. Um, we power Market Live, also comments sold. Um, there, there's various others, but we also do live selling on television. So Univision does live selling on television. By joining our network, we can actually place your products on television for free. Um, we power the Today Show on NBC Universal. Um, so. Everyone's looking for great products at great prices. Like they wanna, they wanna get quality products, like real products. They do not want. We're not building Timu. Um, we are building, you know, we sell Super Seventy Three um, products, those kind of things, like high quality products. Um, and um, and so those are the kind of people that we're really on the hunt for. Is is more and more. Um, high quality brands that we can, that, that, are, that want to work with other people. And we just make that possible.
1: Yeah. So, so it, it, what, it, what ultimately it seems like this comes down to in a way is distribution. So like whoever has the dish, whoever has the eyeballs kind of wins in this game at, at some point, you know, so what are you seeing in the, in the world of, of capturing attention that's, you know, maybe more on the innovative front that is, that are that that that's that's driving awareness and traffic to these purchase because at the end of the day it sounds like and this is kind of my one of my thesis for a, a decentralized um, for what we call social fi like decentralized social is that you should own your your followers um, across whatever so like if you make followers in a decentralized twitter and then then a, a decentralized instagram spins out and it's built on top of the same protocol your followers should come with you to that plus the decentralized tiktok that's launched on that protocol etc so like you know a, a distributed protocol not owned by anyone but the community where everyone's building social products and platforms on top of it to me is the, the future of social and that would then drive then you're really investing in the audience that you build um because it's yours you own it and can monetize it naturally in that social infrastructure um, whereas nowadays you gain an instagram follower you can't even naturally monetize that through the platform You have to go do out external deals and create external stores. And, you know, to me, all of that is kind of broken and fragmented. Whereas, you know, in a decentralized world, I I could see that all being driven by a, by a core foundational protocol and a social graph. So what do you think? I think, well,
2: you just did it again. So you just invented another company. Um, (laughs) You just can't help yourself, right?
1: what Um, I. (laughs) so,
2: So if you're an influencer and you have followers, are followers the true north for you? Like, are, I mean, if you have a hundred million followers, but you can't sell a single product, are you an influencer? That's like, point, right? right? So yeah. the follower, how much the followers really matter versus your ability to sell stuff. Everybody wants to work with the people who can sell stuff. If you can't sell anything, I mean, it's not so interesting. A, a little fun anecdote is you'll see a lot of people don't understand why someone can't sell something because they don't understand who their audience is. So they'll, they'll, they'll say, look, I'm gonna sell my new bikini and my new bikini, we're, we're gonna put all our money into the marketing. So we're gonna get the best model we possibly can. This model is amazing. And we're gonna pay her a ton of money to, uh, to get her to, um, to wear this bikini. And they put all their marketing money in, the model appears in their Instagram account wearing their bikini and no sales occur. And the reason is, is because this model, most of her followers are male that aren't buying bikinis, and uh, and it, and it's it, the the miss is incredible. Like you can totally miss because you don't understand why this person even has followers in the per, in the first place. So followers, not only do they have to have the right followers for your product, they have to actually have the ability to convince these people to buy something. And so the fact that they just have some large number is completely meaningless. Um, so here's the thing. Imagine you have you're live on multiple social networks and you have followers now in multiple networks. And uh, I was once many years ago sitting in the office with the MySpace team and man, I was there at peak MySpace. They were so cocky. They thought they were killing it. And they were technically, but boy oh boy when they went away, they went away fast and they took all their followers with them. So so you might be. I I, I know a, a guy. A friend of my daughter has thirty five million followers on TikTok. Thirty five million followers is really great, but but God forbid that ever disappeared, he would have nothing. So if you, it's it's kind of hard to back that up because, uh, and this is the company idea is social backup. Um, is it's hard to back that up? Um, so then you say to yourself, well, who do you need to back up? Well, if you're an influencer, I'd recommend backing up the customers. So. You should own your own customers and then you go wait a minute all the really wealthy influencers the ones that are a billion plus are all focused entirely on do you think kim kardashian gets up going every day going i wonder if i can get some more followers she's thinking i need customers mm-hmm, i yeah. want customers because mm-hmm. that's how you make billions of dollars yeah and and it's not just getting the customers it's owning the customers and having a relationship with the customers and building the customers and um and so everyone that's rich in in that space is now realizing that customers are the are the path to success and so the question then is is how do you how do you get customers and how do you own the customers because that every that 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 database of people who actually buy so you've backed up your, your your most so my point is you should do that from all networks Imagine you're on five social networks. Try to get all of your customers back to a central core. What you see with influencers is they keep making new websites. Like I just did a book, so I have a website for that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. Yep. Put the book. You put the book in the core. Yep. Drive everybody to the core from all your networks and own the customers. And so that was a, a core idea of Caro um, when we were building it. Is is they should. They should do that, I, I don't know, I can't remember what the price is for a Shopify store, it's like 35 bucks a month or something. That's a really good investment because that's where all your customers are gonna stay under your control. And by the way, when you do any kind of deal with anyone from this point forward, when they use those 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 ambassador codes, you know, like here's, you know, use my code, uh, they, they have to then audit the brand to see if they got paid correctly. If you talk to any agent in the influencer space, they always question, do those codes work? Do we really get the right amount of royalties from the or, or the amount of money um, as uh, as commissions yeah. from those codes yeah. uh, across the industry? They hate them. Um, so the idea that the transaction happens in your store is is a game changer because now you have perfect accounting. Every transaction actually happened in your store. So here's a twist: Imagine you're an e bike company, and there's an influencer who can really sell e bikes. Not only do they do they just ride them and have followers, but they actually can tell you how many they can sell, like they have that data. So we sell a lot of e-bikes. Um, what's interesting is that means that 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 store that that influencer controls starts to become very hallowed ground because they can't put a hundred e-bikes in there. So you're going to have people squabbling to be their choice um, of e-bike and, um, And to be able to put in, so I, if I was an influencer, I'd be trying to own that real estate and really make it have people almost bidding to get into my, into my real estate because I'm curating all these customers from different platforms that want to buy e-bikes that that there's, there's so much opportunity. So there's another company, someone has to solve. It's like some kind of social backup to a central Shopify core. The problem is a lot of influencers don't have the technical um background to be able to do it yeah, so it has, you
1: just need to be onboarded it, the onboard yeah. has to be s- seamless but yes. this, this is why i also think the protocol approach and the decentralized uh, uh, approach is so valuable because even when you were just saying all of that like even the ability to be able to to have transparency and and trust in the transaction process across two systems the fact that it could be on chain and let's say for example you use it, what we talk about a lot is like this new term zero knowledge proofs it's a technology where you can have You don't need to see the evidence. You don't need to actually see the data to have it validated and proven that it's trusted and on the system. So Mm -hmm. you can share a a zero-knowledge proof to show that this transaction came from this place, was transacted here, completed here, all on chain, and then the other system can know, okay, this has been validated by a zero-knowledge proof. Let me pay out the person accordingly. So these systems shouldn't be questioned. It should be trustless. And that's where decentralization comes in in a lot of these cases.
2: Yeah. So, so you can see why with Caro this makes total sense. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you start your Shopify store, which costs next to nothing. Mm-hmm. You, um, if in this situation, you would have to get someone to, to build the, uh, or just to choose a template and get it set up for you. Um, but, but with Caro mm-hmm. it allows you to actually populate the products. And now you've got the core piece, which is quality products. But if there's a brand that you want to work with, it's not on Caro. They just install. And same day, you have access to their products to put into um, into your store. Yeah. So, and we've seen that. So, uh, companies join our, our, our network and they say, Oh, we want to work with these 10 other companies. They're not on your network. Right. So, they just install, they call them up and say, Install Cairo, and then they're in business together. So, influencers can easily do deals that way. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on, and I think we're starting Red, red, red Beard Commerce. I yeah, was so, going to say that before, yeah. that I know yeah. your
0: head's spinning and you're like, I was really going to say it. I'm like, I, I see it. I'm like, if yeah. something's <laughs> happening there, you're yeah. like, anybody <laughs> can tell any item. Yep. Um
1: that's David, so I want to
0: end it with and something that we like really asking um, founders who come on, we're like, we're looking a lot in this space. We're looking a lot at different investments. If you were to put your kind of investor hat on and you were looking at different sectors within e-commerce, what's something other than your company, obviously, that's really exciting to you that you're really looking at, that you'd want to put money in and see really grow?
2: Like new technologies, et cetera. Yeah, um... Well, I just uh, I just made an investment in um, in in AI. Um, uh, of mm-hmm. course, there, there, there's there's a lot of interesting things going on there. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by all of this, and my background is engineering. So when when ChatGPT came out, I actually relearned Python just so I could start coding and and start you know calling ChatGPT. Uh, mm-hmm. My daughter wrote a movie script. she needed a synopsis of it and chat gpt couldn't handle it um so i'm like well if we feed it in over time you know piece by piece and then translate we can we can do it um so the the point is that um ai there's there's some concepts that people haven't really thought about yet um that much is is ai isn't a single thing it can be a group of people so um if you say well i'll have it write a piece of code well, why not have Another AI checking the code, another AI testing the code. Um, in fact, we gonna have ten AIs check the code or hundred AIs check the code. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to some extent, the, the 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 nuclear power of it, I think, is a little bit underestimated um, based on what's actually already available. It's just not being fully leveraged um, right now. So, mm-hmm. so, but the, the the secret is, I'll, I'll cut to the chase is I was at a very large investor dinner and it was fascinating to listen to the conversations at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is one of these rooms where there's like 50 people at the table, by the way, so it's a ridiculously long table. But one of the VCs said something very clear, which is anything that's using AI is going to become a commodity and is therefore worthless. So um, everything that you can think of where you just call, I don't know, you call OpenAI, um, is someone else will do it for less um, and it'll get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until it's free. And then someone will use advertising, or whatever. And it, It's just all paths lead to commodity, commoditization of the space. Mm-hmm. So the only really big winners are the ones who have data sources that no one else has. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have data that's pretty exceptional? Mm-hmm. And if you have data that's pretty exceptional and you apply AI to it, then um, holy mackerel. And that's mm-hmm. why... When you say how's Google going to do in AI, the answer is really good because guess what? They have a lot of data, um, and they have a lot of data that nobody else has. Um, and so, what I think is even funnier is there's 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 about a million stock websites out there for for graphics, mm-hmm. and they're they've been kind of worthless. It's getting very hard to get anyone to subscribe to get you know pictures of your, you know your stock photos. Um, but when AI comes along and needs data. And, 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 interesting data sets that may be the most valuable route for anyone with a lot of data. Um, I think Twitter a great example. All of the data in Twitter is going to end up being incredibly valuable. All those conversations like and rock, letting it
1: rock is, uh, I'm actually going to probably subscribe to it just cause I want to start playing around with rock a little bit more.
2: Yeah. So, so, so if I was looking for investments, I would be looking for for really great AI teams or, and I'm just using AI as an example, there's other entities and other spaces I'm interested in too, but that have data sources that are remarkable, that um, that maybe pe- people haven't quite realized the value yet um, of of that data that, that every AI company that spins up is going to want to, to, uh, to get at it um, because it's so useful. And I think there's gonna be more and more of that discovered um, as we go. But uh, coming from the game industry, I've talked about it forever. Um, the, I mean, someone just sent me a message on LinkedIn saying 21 years ago, I, I listened to a speech of yours where you talked about uh, the future of games with AI. And because and I, I was saying that in a video game, and I, I don't know if you guys play video games, but it's very common that you walk up to someone and they say, welcome to town traveler. And then you kill everybody and and they say, welcome to Town Traveler, because they're completely (laughs) dumb, right? And so the concept, uh, that's the NPC concept, but the idea of being... can are
1: going to be so different in this new world.
2: Yeah, so the the concept was like, well, and I I used to say that was in the the future, they're going to actually, you know, not just... They're going to actually remember things and have... At the time, I was even playing with the idea of creating a video game where we actually had actors as NPCs where they would have shared logs so that they could remember what you did. Um, Which sounds absurd, but it's the kind of crazy stuff you think of as a game designer. Um, But this idea of of AI, um, I think is gonna change games um, forever. The idea that the characters are actually participating, like you can have a thousand or 10,000 characters in a game that are all there too and experience everything with you and if you do something crazy they'll be like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) currently (laughs) they just go you could jump up and down in front of a guy 100 times and he'll just go welcome to town traveler that's every time i see that now it's just fail and uh and so the the second point is voice voice is a lot better than keys so Mm -hmm. if i have imagine i'm i'm i used to say this 20 years ago someday we're going to have speech um cognition which is They'll understand what I said, and then speech generation. They'll even reply to me. And I I remember saying that. And and the reality is, suddenly we're here, and Mm -hmm. I can say, you know, squad leader, and yes, sir. um, (laughs) You know, head to the right, and they would just take off to the right. That's better than me having to do like draw a circle around them and choose and click over here. You know, like or trying to trying to control a whole group of people. Voice is the way to go. Um, So I think games are going to get very exciting because of this.
0: Awesome, David. Well, I think I could speak for both of us that this was a super interesting conversation. We love what you're building at Carl, and we really appreciate you making the time to come on, share your thesis, and share what you guys are building. So, just really appreciate you coming on Redbeard Radio today. So, thank you.
2: No, thank you for inviting me. So fun. Two company yeah. ideas. <laughs> of course, <laughs> and
0: for everybody listening. Thank you so much for joining.
1: We'll um, have a term sheet ready for you, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh. Um, Yeah, for everybody listening, make sure to like, follow, subscribe. As mentioned in the beginning, this is brought to you by Alto. Alto makes it easy to invest in alternative assets using your IRA account. So visit altoira.com forward slash marketplace to learn more. And thanks again, David. Thanks, Drew. And see you next week. This has been a Redbeard Ventures production.